Welcome to the final, yes, the final episode of Digital Fluency, the only podcast where you are guaranteed to get smarter about the digital world or your money back. Digital Fluency is a special podcast series from the good folks at the Studio for Teaching and Learning Innovation. I'm your magnificently monotone and always charming host, Adam Barger, and I am the instructor for the William and Mary course entitled Digital Fluency Footprints and Philosophies, which provides the content for this series. Every week, we review what happened in class and discuss ways to apply these ideas to our lives. I am joined, as always, by student producer extraordinaire Jacob Hall and the man <gasps> behind the curtain, the great and powerful executive <laughs> producer, Mr. Roy Peterson, a.k.a. Roy Zoner. How are you doing, gentlemen? Good. Good. That was Roy Good. and that was Jacob. Okay. So This, <laughs> this is Roy. So Hi. That is Jacob. I'm Jacob. So, so uh, the audience knows Jacob a bit. I actually got a comment this week saying, hey, I love how, how Jacob's in there more. More Jacob, uh-huh. less Adam. Hey, shout out to you. <laughs> to, to the fan. <laughs> Our listener. Who and I said, well, me. wait till you hear from Roy. Because uh, as, a, as a, a producer at your level, Roy, as far as I can tell, you mostly sit in the corner and you're on your phone and shoot us a couple <laughs> side eyes. I'm always listening, though. So, so what? <laughs> I'm always listening. What I'm this? always monitoring your, your performance, Adam. And I feel like it's gotten better over the past <laughs> few months. Yes. Good, good. What, what's it been like for you to um, see what's happening inside of a classroom at William & Mary come out in, into the airwaves? Oh. Oh, I never know that, that. I didn't know that that was happening. <laughs> so you have not been listening. It's not. You're taking the <laughs> subjects of your course week by week and then going through, going through it. Um, kind of reviewing it in podcast form, which is a really good idea, I think. And that's a good model for people to follow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's good. So do, do you think that um, something like this where we're trying to, uh, I don't know, democratize and, and amplify what's happening in a classroom, do you think this has legs for the, for the podcast digital media world? I mean, this is your world. I man. do, I do. It's just getting um, the good folks at Steely to do that. And yeah. um to do that on a regular basis. I think it's good to be able to supplement a course with podcasting and going further and deeper into a subject. So, uh, yeah. Yes. If you were to, you know, uh, think back through the last um, 10, 11 weeks uh, while you're listening intently in the corner, maybe some fubbing going on, but maybe not. Uh, what are some things that, that stuck out to you, if you have any? And it's okay if you don't, because I think the, Jacob your, and I do. the level and the layers of self-deprecation that you go through Hey, I'm talking has about really, the content, not, not about It's really me. stuck out. It's the, how, how, how more can you go? It's an art. <clears throat> it's a blessing. I did like the flubbing, ep- I did like the flubbing ep- episode. Uh-huh. I liked the um, Candace. Candace was a good guest. Um, and so, yeah, but I, I, I'm mainly, as like a producer of this, so to speak, I'm mainly concerned with how how interesting is the conversation? How good is the banter on, on the, ban- the banter level between you and, and Jacob and a guest? Is it high? Is it low? And it started out very low, but it's gone to a greater, greater place. So that's, that's mo- most of my concern. So it wasn't so much a specific topic or idea, but really just about our process. The vibe of it, the, the, the feel of the podcast. Okay. Yeah, Fair enough. and it feels like a podcast, so that's a big step. Did yeah. you hear that, Adam? We're funny now. Yeah, we are. No, you're a podcast now. I think you've reached the podcast arena. Well, I think we need uh, more sound effects, and you know, we don't want to go like we don't want to go full Radio Lab. Maybe half Radio Lab. 
I think you should add more sound effects, more fun, more regular segments, those kind of things. So um, speaking of which, you were the guest this week in class. Yes. Uh, so uh, for the listeners and Jacob, for you, so as you know, we're, we're ending digital fluency with a look at some skills, some very specific skills that I think the digitally fluent person should curate. So skills you have to work on. Right. So these are things like curiosity and communication. Next week we'll look at uh, innovation and then we'll look at um, data, you know, data visualization and things like that. But wow. we also had creativity in there, which was kind of a, it was a hot topic. Is creativity a skill? Is it a digital skill? Is it something you can, um, you know, work on? And so Roy was our guest. And Roy, you, one of the things that you pointed out that I think is a good lens that we can look back at this series, you can look through this lens, is that in some ways, digital has made creativity more possible because it's more attainable. Mm-hmm. And the example you gave was, was uh, video cameras. So, so walk mm-hmm. us through that real quick. Video cameras, when I like, started in film and TV, I went to grad school for film. A video camera was a rare thing you'd have to learn and uh, almost get a union card to use. Uh, very complicated machines and big machines. And now they are like the size of a cube with a GoPro. So that evolving <coughs> digital journey has been something that personally has freed me up to go and make films. Whereas before, you'd have to get a camera person. You'd have to have the budget to, to rent a camera or buy a camera, which were uh, exorbitant in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah. But with the advent of like digital, prosumer digital cameras like uh, the PD-150, um, it just put more power in the hands of filmmakers and creatives to do that. Yeah. With that is the exchange. Like you've also got... You may have a trade-off in that, like people who were trained to use those the, the bigger machine cameras, <laughs> uh, were more trained in it and more expert, uh, had many many hours of of use before they would be able to go out in the field. But and you'd have a trade-off, so not everybody can can shoot uh, on a PD one fifty or a GoPro. But th- those that do love it have great access to to making films, making episodes, podcast episodes, and, and yeah. vlogs, and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was a great example, and we talked about, after you left, left the class, how there's an aspect of this kind of lower barrier to entry about digital that has applied to everything. Mm-hmm. So we can go all the way back to the first episode and talk about intellectual humility mm-hmm. and how the reason we need that is because the barrier to access information is much, much lower and so there's the temptation of, you know, I know it all. I can find all the facts. And, you know, there's no, there's no humility there. Same thing with, um, you know, the, the social aspects. You know, we looked at social dilemma and, and you know, aspects of uh, how we network among people. Well, there's mm-hmm. been tremendous power in the social networking pieces of digital. But then there's been the downsides. Mm-hmm. So this kind of like two sides of the coin is a great theme. And I think your aspect of or your approach to creativity kind of help reveal that because now more people can be creative in terms of having access to the tools. 
but it's not always good. So like the downside of creativity that we looked at, and there's lots we can look at, was 4chan. And how 4chan evolved into this kind of like meme monstrosity, you know, spewing a lot of negative and obscene mm-hmm. things, which are still creative. Mm-hmm. Maybe you couldn't do that before, but now you can. But who wants to spend their day looking at memes? That's that's the thing. There's such a flood of of them <laughs> that uh, I know that the uh, the work that I did in previous to Steely, uh, one of my jobs was to create memes. Really, <laughs> and, and it was not a fun experience. <laughs> I mean, how many memes can you create? This is brand new information. This is, I don't was, know if we would have like, um, um, inspirational memes. Okay. For kids, but for the parents of the kids, so that the kids would know that the show, the parents would know that the show was a safe, family-oriented program, and and it was a very, um, a very tedious experience to try to come up with a new meme every day, that was um, inspirational for people. Yeah, and I much rather prefer the aspect of social media that's spontaneous, and you don't have a, a program. This is what you must put out. Uh, you know, without a, a kind of schedule to it. I think what's great about the social media and the digital world is that if you have an idea, you can bring that idea out very quickly. <laughs> but when you don't have, when it's not restricted, when you have that freedom to, to post what you want. This hmm. ties so well into what we were just saying about skills. Like the skills that you need in the, in the digital world are are changing and they're, they're fluid and what it might mean to lead the social media presence of a company or a project or something Mm -hmm. is continuously evolving. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, like there is, it's not all just theoretical. There's lots of practice and, um, or practical applications, even in the job world. Yeah. And there's two, two sides of that coin, you know, as, as a learner, Jacob, there, you see there's Two sides of the information coin, whereas there's a very low barrier to being able to, to do research and publish, for example. Right. Yet there is a huge amount, a huge increase in crappy research. Mm-hmm. And I asked Roy this question, like, is, you know, is the proliferation of creativity and creative pathways leading to tons of creative crap? You know, if you if you look at like. One thing that's been going around in, in my mind and working on a film at William & Mary is that um, there's such a low bar to enter into film fests. Um, mm. And the good side of that is whatever is really good or talented will get attention in smaller film fests because the competition isn't that great. Um <coughs> And the more you can practice and do your craft, the more chances there are that people will see your film that would never have seen it just 10 years ago. Um, so, so decision time. Do you have to be creative to thrive in the digital world? Roy, yes or no? Is that a required well, skill? You have to be creative to thrive as a human being. Like, do you have to be like, that's, that's like more of a philosophical philosophy of, of living kind of uh, request or uh, question. So you have to have the skills that you need to, to, to get the, your message out. 
um, whether that be in research or filmmaking or art, you still need those skills to do well. Um, there's a guy called uh, Bob Lefsitz. Have you ever heard of Bob I don't think so. He's a industry writer uh, and is a music industry writer and was worked in the music business on every level and is a real character. But his newsletter is really about how, as a musician, as a band, you can do anything now, but it literally is you have to find your audience. If you can find a good thousand followers in if you're a rock band or a music band that shows that you can have a following and it will most likely increase um it's such a different world than it than it was because of digital mm-hmm. um and don't even talk about like album sales and, and putting out uh music it's so accessible now mm-hmm. you could just put out a music uh, an album you know because guitar and a, and a video yeah. so so <coughs> So, so Jacob, do you have to be creative to thrive in the digital world? Yeah, I think you do. And I, I think that creativity is so like so difficult to define because it means something different to everyone. You brought up the example of 4chan, which I agree does have like very negative connotations and like is a pretty negative community a lot of the time. But also there is a market for 4chan content. Like people show up every day to 4chan to talk and like create those memes together. I, I think that that applies... What Roy was saying, where anyone could create a band, and if if you can find that audience, if you find sort of a, a market, if you will, for for the creative like uh, projects that you have that you like create, I th- I think that that yes, that that's what the digital world is defined by now. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I see your point. I don't. I'm still not sold. And I I told my students this. I said we're using creativity as a as a potential digital skill. Because it's emerging in some of the research, you know, you know, we want to we want to base a lot of what we're doing on the research. So, but I personally don't know if I buy it yet. I don't know if it's kind of a fad. There's in educational mm. research, there's lots about creativity, um, but I see the digital world as uniquely suited for creative types. Yeah, and so um, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons I don't I don't fully embrace it myself, but. I, I think there's potential there, you know, and some of the other skills that we'll be looking at, we won't record on this, but, um, you know, uh, innovation, which is similar in some ways to creativity, uh, how to use data, uh, which is definitely kind of a, a hard skill that a lot of folks are, are looking at in the employment world. But if we look back behind us at some of our, our, our greatest hits this season, based on just random comments to me of, hey, I like this episode, um, they are without a doubt intellectual humility which that was a surprise to me. Nice. Um, Internet of Things. Yeah. IoT, as they say. And fake news. Those were the, the kind of the three ones that, that folks, you know, had said over and over again. So I wonder, like, let's take a quick look at those. Like, I wonder why those things are landing. Sure, um, yeah. Intellectual humility we've talked a lot about. And I think one of the reasons that's landing is because it just makes sense. The idea that even with the interwebs, we don't know it all. Yeah, I think not just that, not just that it may, but it's something that I had never heard of before. And I bet a lot of our listeners probably hadn't used that phrase before. Like Internet of Things is sort of this this catchphrase now. Like you mm-hmm. hear that around a lot. But I think what really stands out about intellectual humility is that it's a really interesting, powerful idea that I don't think very many people have heard about or even considered 
when it like how it applies to them. Yeah. Well, Roy, I think you made the comment. It's hard to be humble when you're so great. Did you say that? I don't know. Oh. Sounds, <laughs> sounds like a fun thing. To yeah. Say. So, so did uh, intellectual humility land with you? The the conversation landed with me. I really liked the conversation with the with the guy with the professor. Johan. Yep. Yeah. Johan. Yeah, and it, it had a kind of moral base to it as well. There was a, a morality to it, which I, I liked. And you don't normally associate like digital memeing and and communicating with with a morality mm-hmm. values um, based. Mm-hmm. And and finding like a morality around digital is really important, I think. Mm. And and that's uh, something that may be something to pursue. And develop is like what's the morality around posting what's around about your what you're you're boasting about um and and some of that applies recently what i've been going through about politics you know you have such a i do not post anymore about politics oh man it's going to go south i can feel it i'm just saying that <laughs> i have an i have more of a liberal bent and i i know everything when it comes to uh, to liberal politics mm-hmm. but um, where's the morality of being able to communicate with somebody who you disagree with through yeah. through a, th- a Facebook thread? Mm-hmm. There's a whole thing to that. Yeah. If if I was in the same room with you, I would not have the same conversation if we were disagreeing about politics. Mm-hmm. Like we uh, on Facebook, we'd be like, oh, the, yeah, or Bernie this or Trump that. Yeah. No, I, I, it's a good point. I think that is a topic in and of itself. And I think that's, for me, why intellectual humility has been fascinating is because it crosses so many disciplinary boundaries. Yes. Um, I could see that, including this in some of the grad school courses I teach in education, I could see this, obviously, in philosophy. Uh, Johan, the scholar that came here and visited, uh, he's seen applications of this in the, in the business school, for example. So it's really, I think that's, it's such a, uh, it's an easy idea to grasp, but it has so many applications. Now, Internet of Things, I think that was a hit because it was just like cool techie stuff. I, you know, I don't know if there's something powerful about Internet of Things other than the scary side. Yeah, I think it's something that people can relate to. Like a lot of people have, you know, a Google Home or an Alexa or something in their house and like have had to think about that at least once. You know, like where is my boundary when it comes to privacy? And I know that's something we talked a lot about in that episode. So it, it probably sort of hit home for a lot of people. Yeah, and I think that it's kind of loosely connected to blockchain, which hasn't hit the airwaves yet, but it will soon. Yes. I think that will garner some attention because it has that kind of trendy side of things. But the interesting thing about Internet of Things is we look pretty closely at that and tied it to kind of the social uses of our technology and our devices. Like, um, you know, the, the guy in the movie says, there's really only two kinds of people. There's the people that check their phone before they pee in the morning and those that check their phone while they're peeing. You know, kind of this real simple way of looking at like everyone's addicted, and so we were able to look at Internet of Things through this lens of you know maybe using it too much and and having boundaries. But I haven't changed that much, Mm. and so I I understand Internet of Things. I understand kind of the digital sociology and uh, addiction factors and persuasive technology and all those things that we looked at. But I personally, as a user, as a user have not changed my habits that much, maybe a little bit. And so I wonder if, like, there has to be some sort of personal dilemma or, or like, a really big event that kind of pushes you towards changing how you embrace the web in your life. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not there yet. I'm not not a minimalist yet. I want to be. 
I think Internet of Things was the first episode where there's banter between the two of you that I thought, wow, that's there, there's something really good about this. Yeah. So from a listener producer perspective, I thought, wow, you can really develop that. Yeah, and I think that was one of the first times that we had kind of different, noticeable generational differences mm -hmm. between how Jacob looks at things and how I would look at things. Yes. Um, and that's fascinating to me. That's where the sociology side of digital fluency, you could, you could go deep, is, you know, why is it that there's these generational differences in how we view technology? Why does the stereotypical um, millennial differ in how we perceive privacy than the stereotypical Gen Z, you know, that kind of thing is really interesting. So what have you, what I want to know, and I think what Jacob wants to know is how have you grown in this? What, what did you discover about the process of podcasting from the time you started digital uh, fluency to now? Yeah, that's a good question. If we're going to review the, you, the season, what, you, what personally did you learn? It'd be a, um, a reasonable expectation to think that I would have thought that through before today. Um, well, there's a concept in, in teaching, uh, you know, or maybe not a concept, maybe just kind of a saying, whereas if you really want to learn something, you teach it to someone else, mm. you know, and so the idea of putting learners in the place of a teacher really helps them master the content. And I have found that teaching the class and then podcasting about the class has really helped me understand at a deeper level, uh, find more examples, perhaps communicate more clearly. And then, you know, so that's the content side. But then on the format side, in terms of, is this a good avenue of getting academic and learning content out there beyond the four walls of the classroom? I would say possibly, which I know is a really squishy thing. But here's why. You know, radio, TV, podcasting, the whole entertainment industry, this is a skill that people develop, all right? My dad was a radio man. My brother was a radio man. Like, I get and understand radio, I am not a radio man uh, or a radio person. And I think that the skills it takes to really communicate well, whether it's just how you modulate your voice or how entertaining you are or how um, quickly you can change tasks and, and trains of thought, I think those are all skills that come along. And so I guess I'm saying that to do this a few more semesters or a few more years, I think that's where you start to see the real benefit personally and put out a more polished product. Yeah, so, I like the format, but I think the it's the skills have to come along with it. Sure, I would agree with that personally. Like, it, it really does take time to find your voice while you're podcasting, and also as an editor, like like figuring out how I want to structure the the episode or like what kind of vibe I'm going for when I'm editing. It's all something that sort of takes time to to develop, both for a specific series, but also personally, like those those skills and, and how you apply them. Yeah. And I think that maybe that's why fake news was kind of a hit, so to speak, on our small, on a small scale hit. And that's because people can see that as a very applicable, understandable, skill-based thing. Like, oh, misinformation, disinformation, where it comes from, how, how it forms. Um, I think those types of things that are easier to kind of apply usually have better legs. As much as I love to talk philosophy, I, I don't know that that really does it. I think people want applicable stuff mm -hmm. i think or a really good story right yeah. and that's why we all everyone likes you know this american life and radio lab and those kind of the, those the top podcasts because they're really really good stories and i don't know how many really good stories come out of a liberal arts classroom hmm. but skills uh nuggets of knowledge something like that 
Mm. You know, I can see that. Okay. Yeah. So while we're on fake news, any any parting thoughts on fake news? Why, why was that a, a good one, if you thought it was? I, as Roy said earlier, that was just a really good example of a guest who was able to really provide a lot of interesting information and opinions and ideas about a topic and then let us sort of discuss and bring our own questions to the table. And all of our guests have been really good about that, but I, I think that episode really came together when it comes to just like the way that we structured it. We were kind of ready for a guest at that point. And I, I think it all just, it, it came together into something that was very listenable. Mm. Episode six, by the way, if you want to go back and listen to that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's time for our takeaways, and, and I want to do this in an interesting way. I think we should eat, each come up with a takeaway on the fly. It's time for the takeaways. There it is. So I'll go first to give you two gents a chance to think. And these are any takeaway, any one thing. Takeaway that, based on what we've talked about? No, the whole show, the whole season. If there's one thing that you, want to, that you think you will actually, yeah, let's do it that way. Not even necessarily something you think others should take away. What is the one thing that you personally will remember and take with you from this amazing podcasting journey? <laughs> and, and I'll go first. I started the semester putting all my cards on the table with the students and said, listen, I am not a neutral party. I think massive parts of the digital world are bad for humanity and bad for you. That's why we have a class on digital fluency because it takes somebody developing the skills to thrive so that you have the digital world working for you, not against you. So we're starting I, I, with the framework of digital bad, so we need people to make it good. Um, and I still m mostly believe that, although I, I've softened a bit. And so my one big takeaway that has come up several times throughout the season and what I'll leave with now and hopefully use myself is this. You are in charge of your own digital footprint. You get to decide whether the digital world works for you or against you. But you have to be active. You have to be an active user of the digital world or you will be passive. So this is that whole agency versus atrophy. You got to have agency in the digital world. You got to take ownership. That's my thing. That was so good. I want to word mine as well. As, all right. Let's just I, end the show right there. Yeah, that's it. Thank you, everybody. See you later. Yep. Um, I think my takeaway might sound very similar to yours, but I do think it's it's worth sort of taking taking away in its own in its own right, which is that um, something that I <laughs> no, this will be surprising to no one because I was so animated during this conversation. But we were talking about digital minimalism. And we were comparing and contrasting the values that we have when it comes to what's important in our digital lives, what types of things we would probably be okay never doing or seeing again in the digital world, but then also the things that are worth bringing into our digital lives. And it really sort of hit home for me that everyone needs different things in the digital world, that what you uh, value and what you are looking for, the content that you think is worth um, creating or um, consuming, those are going to be different than anyone else. And that's okay. So to, to own that you have your own take on what di the digital world is, how you should interact with it, what you bring to digital life, 
I think is, is key. And to be able to recognize those differences between yourself and others is a very important aspect of being like intentional about the digital world. I like it. Very individualistic. Yeah. Very cool. Your digital life could be the next set of podcasts. It could be. Your digital life. Yeah. How do I you like develop that. your digital life? From a pretty, I, I, I don't have a takeaway. What? I have the takeaway what? I have is He's is simply. It. No, the, t- the takeaway I have is simply that I've, I've pushed you know for podcasts for Steely to do podcasts and I've had some support in that, but I kind of saw how you can really take a podcast, and and make it work through this process. And mm-hmm. I was able to relax by the fourth or fifth week. I I came in late. To, and just <laughs> this is true uh, yeah I, because i knew that you had it you you had the um the discipline and the setup and the interaction that a podcast needs to 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 do it so, and and that has been like a, a kind of proving point that uh there needs to be more steely podcasts oh boom so boom. <laughs> so maybe not the end <laughs> I don't know. Cue uh, emotional yet triumphant music here. Uh, gentlemen, I have learned a lot this semester. I couldn't have done any of this without both of you. Thanks for helping make digital fluency a thing. And to the listeners, thanks for listening. Send it to your family and friends, uh, cousins, aunts, uncles, neighbors. Just send it around. And uh, who knows? Maybe we will record again. It's sure been a whole will. lot of fun, Adam. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Sure we will. See you okay. next time. Maybe. <laughs>